There goes your career. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's December 19, 2009. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, Episode 159. This is No Agenda. As snow blankets half the globe in an obvious overload of global warming, we're coming to you live from the Minimum Security Containment Cell Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West, San Francisco, California. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where it's cold here, too, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. And it's so obvious. It's, it's almost laughable, isn't it? Well, I like the fact that Copenhagen apparently has a, has a blizzard... <laughs> That's the worst in their history, or the worst since 1960, or something like that. I was looking at New Jersey, uh, record-breaking snowfall for the... Hold it, wait, baby. Come back with that. <laughs> I need that part. <laughs> Nikki just took the actual piece of paper I wanted to talk about. <laughs> record-breaking snowfall in New Jersey. Uh, uh, most snow in 77 years. We've got uh, <laughs> Gitmo Nation East, the Netherlands, London, completely snowed in. It's like it's, it's it's like a ludicrous ludicrous joke. It's a cosmic joke. There's the, no doubt about it. And the funny thing is, people actually are saying, "Well, this is all a part of global warming because yeah, you know, the, yeah. the rains yeah. and the Freezing monsoons." The that's and, yeah, that's, that's exactly what the planet is clearly warming up. It's just, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the ice age. We've got to go back to what was they were saying in the 70s. There's an ice age coming. And, they're trying to kill us. That's why they're, they're pushing global warming because any action we take against global warming will trigger the ice age. I, uh, the more you say these things, the more I think there's actually to it. You know, the, it, with, uh, and I, a mini ice age was predicted in the seventies. Yeah, and you know, and what would constitute an ice age? Would that be two degree minus two degrees? Would that be just sure. as- who knows what? I don't know. I'm not sure. I had to go back and read all the old literature from the seventies when they were predicting the ice age, and I, I mean, I'm sure that. Part of it's supposed to be the reflectivity or lack of reflectivity of the sun up and down, you know, based on certain glacial phenomenon. But well, it's not—it's an obvious question, you know, where you know people don't know that you know. Of course, if water is scalding hot, you can burn yourself. But if it's also you know extremely cold, you can you know you can get you can freeze yourself as well. You can free you can burn yourself well, like, from the cold. Like Bert Rutan, the uh, mutton chopped uh, space guy who's building this the the uh, the rocket ship that uh, Branson's going to use to commercialize space space travel. Right. Like he said, he says the biggest threat to humanity is not global warming, it's global if but an ice age. So just following the logic, if the if climate change is indeed and let's just say that, you know, this, this whole two degree Celsius temperature, which is about, uh, what is that two degrees centigrade? Would that be like almost a 3.6 uh, or three something? something? Yeah. So it, you would presume that plus, you know, two, two degrees centigrade will be just as bad as minus two degrees centigrade. I mean, there's other species that count on that that will have a problem, right? Well, there always, there's always species that are going to have a problem. They let them have a problem with us. Well, I'll tell you one thing, man. I'd rather have global warming than global cooling. Yeah, but you can always move to Canada. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can get cooling anywhere you want. It's, it's the warming bit that's hard to find. It's really hard. It's hard to find the nice. you got to travel halfway around the globe in the wintertime to find some warm place. Sucks. Give me we'll some beachfront property here in San Francisco, which you according to... South, you can manage it. Yeah. So, um, we've got some interesting news this week. Oh, we do have an executive producer. Wait a minute. May I please list off the first the important executive producers who uh, really kicked some major ass last week? Uh, now I'm not quite sure. 
uh, you know, chat room handles and real names is kind of difficult, but uh, here's the following people sent me a recording of the show last week after, due to circumstances completely within my control, the show was not recorded. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we have uh, Locke, a.k.a. Jim. It could also be Nerdy Dude. I don't know. We have... Um, Wolfgang. Can we get their real names and you ask them? Well, yeah, but you know, not everyone wants their real name to be known. So I'm, I'm saying Wolfgang, aka CS. We have uh, Mike Seraph, who recorded the show today, uh, or last week, that is. And uh, I guess Randy. Okay. Randy Asher. These four people sent me all versions of the entire stream, the pre stream and the post show banter as they apparently were recording the program. And I'm not quite sure why one would actually want to record the live stream if the podcast comes out, but I'm not complaining. <laughs> People do that. Yeah. They you, got the equipment or they got the software and they want to use it, and so they use it and then they record and then they can listen to it or download it to their iPod to get the full experience as opposed to the, the, the uh, canned experience that they get from after you edit the show. Well, I don't, I don't edit the show. All yeah, I do well, is that's, I take the, the that's a little known fact. I don't edit the show. I take Well, the you take the front and back off. Yeah, that's all and, I do. Okay, I, well, they, they get to listen to the whole thing. I don't know. I mean, people do that. They've tr Traditionally, there's listeners throughout hit since the beginning of radio uh, when they had the opportunity to record something they wouldn't on transcriptions or on tape or whatever they had so that didn't didn't surprise me in the least i'm actually surprised there were four people i thought there'd be maybe a couple but uh, well, there may could, be probably, it, probably two more we didn't even yeah, hear it's, from. it's possible there's a couple more i i will say a lot of people um were listening in windows media player and apparently you can just do a, a command line which is you know wm player dash dump and whatever you've, as long as you haven't interrupted your playing experience, it dumps out the entire file that you've been listening to. Mm. It kind of caches it all. So anyway, all of you will be listed this week as executive producers, special executive producers uh, for No Agenda 158. For without you, this would be No Agenda 157. <laughs> so uh, the the money man executive producer is uh, who will be listed, of course prominently is Lucas Hokanson from Selkirk, Manitoba, Canada. Lucas and he gives $101.01. Another playing, let's, let's make a deal number. Playing the price is right and <laughs> number. Lucas, and he says, uh, keep up the good work, Adam and John. Any chance you are keeping your eye on Canada and events going on here? Um, uh, we tried. We talked about your crazy copyright regulations on the last show. Right. What, was he referring to anything in particular? I think he wants us to watch uh, this hour has 20 minute, 22 minutes or, or something like that. We'll have to catch up with the show. Or maybe the, the, we, we should be running the parliaments uh, where they argue with each other and, and call each other names, which is always good for a laugh. Uh, I, I don't had, know. I had something on... Uh, I think there's always something weird going on in Canada. I know that. So first of all, let, let us thank uh, profusely Lucas Hawkinson. I'll get the exact uh, spelling from you uh, later, John, because I want to make sure I get these names spelled properly, and I have screwed that up in the past, particularly yeah, with Stephen Pelsmarker's yeah, name yeah. spelled wrong. So uh, thank you very much for being the executive producer of No Agenda, episode 158. I can tell you that uh, this is something that you should consider putting on your resume. It's really quite worth it because it looks good. Uh, you get to put two names who people can actually look up 
You know, so you don't look like some fool just trying to put some crazy names on there like you did something important. Because you actually did. An executive producer means you're the real deal. You uh, you actually put money into the show and uh, you got some return for it that made you proud enough to put that on your resume. There was, you know, you were talking about Canada and how the... Um, how they uh, yell at each other in Parliament. There was something from the Irish uh, Parliament. I think I had it in the show notes last week where the guy actually tells someone to fuck himself <laughs> in Parliament. <laughs> like Dick fuck- Cheney. Yeah, no, it wasn't quite that bad. Uh, <laughs> hmm. I'll have to look for it later. But uh, we should do that in... Uh, all we get is like... Uh, What's oh, the great gentleman face? from the state of Wisconsin, my my esteemed <laughs> colleague. <laughs> How funny was that when uh, Al Franken uh, Al Franken told Joe Lieberman, "No, you you can't have any extra time." <laughs> I don't know if people caught this. Um, n- now, explain exactly how this works, because Lieberman, I guess, was the chairman of a committee. Lieberman was on the floor, and I'm and, sorry, no. Uh, Franken was the chairman of a committee. That's right. No, it wasn't a committee. This was the, the this was this the uh, the Senate. But he, but 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 Franken is Franken sitting, had the chair. He was given the you know the the the, the guy running the the floor is the guy sitting in that big chair, and they oh. rotate through all kinds of different people. Oh, you want to hear this uh, clip for a second? Because I happen to yeah, have it sure. queued up. Okay, so this is from a couple days ago. Finally, our amendment clarifies that the purpose of the board is not just to contain costs within Medicare, but to look more broadly at health care spending outside of these publicly supported programs. That's very significant. We'll provide an opportunity for broad savings in health care and health insurance. And I have to say, he is getting boring. Pretty much everybody in our country. Spoken for, I'm sorry, the senator has spoken for 10 minutes. I wonder if I could ask unanimous consent for just an additional moment. Um, In my capacity as senator from Minnesota, I object. (laughs) Really? Oh, okay. Doesn't he sound just like Stuart Smalley there? Like he's yeah. I like the way he goes. The way Lieberman goes. Really? Really? But did you hear uh, John McCain after that? Did you hear what he had to say? No, I never got to hear (laughs) McCain personally. I will ask unanimous consent that uh, the remainder of my remarks be included in the records if read. Without objection. I thank the chair. Here here comes McCain. The uh, senator from Arizona. I I just saw, I've been around here 20-some years, first time I've ever seen a member denied uh, an extra minute or two to to finish uh, his remarks. He's literally flabbergasted. He's like, "Uh uh-huh. And and, um, Lieberman is an independent. He's not Republican or Democrat. Right. And so he's and McCain is actually standing up for him. And, and I must say that uh, I don't know what's happening here in this body, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I do nothing. I think it's wrong. Uh. And uh, so I, I, I said that it's fine with me that it'd be 10 minutes. But I'll tell you, I've never seen a member denied an extra minute or so as as the chair just did. If the senator would yield for that. So what what do you think the reasoning is behind this? I mean, well, I know what the re I mean, the backstory is simple uh, for one thing to get up in front and be kind of the kind of the temporary president of the Senate, which is the guy in the big seat. Uh, he was told by the party 
to be really strict about the time allowances so they could plow through the debate for this day. Right, because they want to actually ram this health care bill through. They want to get this thing done. Right. So he was being really strict. Ten minutes is up. Unbelievable, though. Yeah, I mean, now, now you you have the clips from last week because I have something that uh, I gave you last week that that because I because this kind of contradicts what uh, what uh, McCain's saying here. Um, which one do you want? Well, I what have, is you have the last week list there? Last week was Caltrans Bridge, Howard Dean rant, one minute, maybe one minute, one minute, play yeah. the one, play one minute. Okay. Oh, I'm so glad I'm so. This organized. is a committee meeting where the where the head of the committee, a Democrat, said, "Look, the Democrats get five minutes to talk to Republicans. You get one minute." And it was and it was grilling McChrystal, who, by the way, looked a lot like Tigger. Uh, <laughs> he looks like he does look like Tigger, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Let's look. So wait a minute. Who gets five minutes? How come one one part side gets? Five? He had some long winded excuse for it, and I have no idea. I, I could in fact the, the chairman went on and on about this one minute versus five minutes, and I I could not make heads or tails of it. But let, play this clip and this and and and, and send a copy of this to McCain. <laughs> okay. The time of the gentleman he has expired. The gentleman from California, Mr. Rohrbacher, is recognized for one minute. Uh, thank you, and Mr. Chairman. Let me just note for the record that I am very disturbed uh, with a policy that has ended up with giving me one minute to express my opinions and to ask questions of this, in this very important hearing, considering my background on Afghanistan. Uh, so I'm sorry. I apologize to uh, the two witnesses. I'm going to say some things, and I just have to say it quickly. Uh, number one, uh, 30,000 troops, more troops in Afghanistan means $30 billion more a year. My experience in Afghanistan tells me for a small portion of that, we could buy the, the allegiance. We could earn the goodwill through payments to tribal leaders and village leaders throughout that country. Uh, by the way, that is an outstanding idea. <laughs> what what a concept. It just give them the 30 billion yeah, and we'll they'll be a done fortune. with it. Yeah, and no one will die without putting anybody at risk. Number 1, I'd like your reaction to that. Number 2, uh when general your statements about Afghans fearing the, their militias is disturbing to me, dramatically disturbing. Militias there are nothing more than all the male children in their villages. The, the only time of the gentleman has expired. The gentleman, the, the gentleman from the gentleman from Virginia is recognized for five minutes. <laughs> Shut up! Sit down. Who the hell do you think you are, talking sense, idiot? So I don't know what McCain's talking about. If uh, you're wondering, he shut this guy off and went to five minutes to this next person who was just rambled for saying nothing. If you're wondering how we get such fantastic material and that you never see this on television, on the news or on the cable news channels. Oh, maybe once in a while, if you're really lucky, it's because we do something really weird. What we do so you don't have to We watch C-SPAN so you don't have to. We take care of that work for you. Before you yeah. say it, John, I agree. It's kind Actually, of a, that particular clip I got from something even more obscure than C-SPAN, but uh, what was like that? the military channel or something. It was just I just We're, ran into it. No, the military. You know, I've, I've got to put some of the... I don't have all the right channels on my favorites. 
somehow. Oh, I don't use favorites. I just go through everything. <laughs> yeah, but do you do you go? That's through? how you run into free speech TV and all the you know the stuff yeah. that's out, out out there. We're all but the free speech TV is very interesting because it it gives the the, the knee jerk progressive view of everything, and which is not the you know the liberal. I, I noticed that I was watching. Um, Chris Matthews go on about this the term progressive, which has been picked up by a uh, segment of the Democrat liberal side of the uh, aisle. And uh, he was baffled by the fact that people are using this, saying that liberals, have, you know, has gotten a bad reputation and it's as good a term as any. But the fact of the matter is liberal is not what the progressives like to think of themselves as, uh, especially what is termed the neoliberal, which is the Clinton type of liberal, which is an internationalist. Progressives are, are not necessarily for uh, a one-world government. So who would be considered a progressive? Ron uh, Paul? Would Ron Howard Paul? Dean would be a classic. And what? And you know, and you brought this up, and I, I for some reason I wasn't really tuned into it last week, but am I mistaken, or is there now a general movement in the Democratic Party? Howard Dean, of course, being the chairman of the DNC. Not anymore. Former chairman, excuse me. Is there now a movement to find new candidates to replace Obama in, 2000, in 2012? No, I haven't seen that. It's, I, I'm hearing like noises that they're prep, they're, there's going to be more candidates running for his seat than than ever before from the same well, I mean, party it could take the form of the what happened to lyndon johnson during that Precisely. year when you had a warmonger as a president and you had to get rid of him and so they start trying to run eugene mccarthy and uh, uh eventually mcgovern kennedy bobby kennedy i mean yeah exactly and i'm here i'm hearing you know even from left-wing democratic voices i'm hearing terms like the third term of bush <laughs> like first of all yeah totally agree as uh as it was interesting to note in that huge defense uh, spending bill that passed the house i might add uh that baked in there was extension of the patriot act to february 2010 you see they 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 know they need to extend this thing to continue to take away every single freedom we have and to be able to wiretap us and uh, um apply enhanced interrogation techniques uh, but they, but they, you know, they they want to go on uh, Christmas holiday, so they got no time to bullshit around. We'll just ex we'll just slip that in over here, and we'll just uh, get that uh, extended until we're back and rested from our our snow holiday, and it passes. Well, the other thing is that I think has a lot of these guys annoyed is this, besides the fact that trans there's no transparency. Uh, Obama seems to be a warm on. The only thing they like about him is he's pro. pro uh, he's a warmest. Uh, I mean, they all think that's fantastic. But the rest of it, you know, they, they and they don't like Bernanke, uh, and the right doesn't like Bernanke, but the, the people that want Bernanke back are essentially the Republicans and Obama. Well, so this has got these guys a little annoyed, too. And he, uh, he was uh, um, confirmed. Bernanke continues as the chairman of the Federal Reserve. Can you play a clip I have about Bernanke? This is, the, to me, this is a, a Republican from Tennessee named Corker. I think it says Corker on Cork, there, but yeah, his name's Corker. Corker. Okay. And he, uh, he gives the rationale for why we should keep Bernanke. And I thought it was the absolute stupidest ex thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. Is it because he looks cool? That's no, worse than that. Better equipped to deal with business after that event than before. My guess is that everybody in this uh, 
and this dais could say the same thing. It's not those things that occur during good times that make you strong. It's those things that occur during bad times. Do I think that there's anybody, anybody in this country that has been tested more and has the ability to be chairman of the Fed right now than Chairman Bernanke? I don't think so. I know there have been comments about mistakes. Uh, yeah, talking about, I, I say John Dvorak for chairman of the Fed. There's plenty of better candidates than Bernanke. Well, here's what, here's what the, the, that is a guy from Tennessee, by the way, which is a big football basketball state. This Here's what his rationale is, this corker guy. he His rationale is the football coach has not won a game ever. Hold on. So what better coach to rehire <laughs> because he's gone through so much tribulations that he, nobody would know bad times. This is good experience, never to have won a game. Does he say this in this, in this no, statement? That's no, that's what his analogy amounts to. He never <laughs> says it, but that's what he's saying. He's saying, oh, well, because he, 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 he screwed up, he made nothing but mistakes, he did nothing right. <laughs> Who could be better equipped to take the job again? <laughs> All right. In other words, it's time to apply our simple formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Yeah, that's the that's the whole formula that Bernanke uh, holds as well, right? Just go out, hit people in the mouth, and lose games. So he's bound to win one somewhere. That's pretty. So amazing. this Corker guy should be voted out, folks. If you're in Tennessee, what do you got this? What, what do you have a moron like this in in the office for? Uh, yeah. But this again, the Republicans, you know, just essentially uh, not being useful. Indeed. Hey, John, just so you know, good news. Yeah? Um, there is a very large mothership, <laughs> <laughs> which is about 20 well, miles. Don't we say this for the end of the show? No, no, because I'm excited about this. It's uh, Right now it's about 1.5 million miles off the South Pole. It's a 20-mile aircraft, and uh, it's stationary right now. And there's pictures of it. NASA, other organization telescopes have been monitoring it for eight months. It's uh, big, it's blue, and it's beautiful. And it looks a bit like a Klingon chip, which is a bit disconcerting. But uh, link in the show notes at noagendashow.com. Uh, looks like the mothership is on its way. Well, you know, they also found some, some triangular thing over some well, spot or other. Yeah, like over the Kremlin, like I didn't mention that two shows ago. Well, I didn't know it was a big triangle. Yeah, it, it was like a, a funnel. I told you that. It was like a, 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 a <laughs> triangular funnel sucking up, you know, or or blowing down. Who knows? Yeah. And, of course, that's the same show where you said, uh, oh, all oh, this footage uh, is, yeah, well, now that you mentioned it was Russia. It was a Russian news report. It's all the Russians have always been tr doing this to keep the population under control. <laughs> These bogus stories. <laughs> it looked pretty damn real to me. It looked, like a, it looked like a Photoshop job if I ever saw one. Yeah, but when you see 40 or 50 different pictures from independent sources, you've got oh, to yeah. wonder if they're all sharing the same. Do you know same... any of these people personally? John. Just oh. saying. Are you a UFO denialist? I'm a denialist. Are, are you a ticket. UFO denier? Are you a savior denier? Is that what you are? You know, one thing's very clear, John. Science is in. Science. NASA is even seeing it. So the science is in. Everyone agrees. Hell yeah. So, uh, 
the Copenhagen. I got this. This, this came out in uh, July, and I finally saw saw a copy of it, which is what caused all the problems. The Copenhagen Code of Ethics. Oh, do the we city need to, council agreed do, to employ the so-called Copenhagen Copenhagen Code of Ethics in relation to COP15, including the climate summit for mayors. The Copenhagen Code of Ethics encourages employees and politicians to refrain from buying sex from prostitutes, <laughs> especially when it's free. Or was that okay? Well, they, I think it became free after this was released. Right. The Code of Ethics also encourages employees and politicians to refrain from using any of the hotels which provide contact to prostitutes and that tourist organizations refrain from advertising escort services, strip clubs, and brothels. Now, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Denmark prostitution is legal, but brothels are not. Okay. <laughs> cool. So why? So what? How is this ethical or unethical? I mean, it's legal. It's legal. I mean, what's what's? I don't get it. I'm not understanding why they why they would put this out. Do they think the prostitutes are are, are you know denialists and they're going to influence the uh, attendees? I well, don't know. It's a code of ethics, you know. It's like you, when you're hosting a big political said, well, event. Well, I don't get the ethical breakdown here. What's unethical about taking part in a in a function that's purely legal, purely legal. in a society in which it's legal? So, uh, well, ethics is something different than laws. Yeah, I agree with that. But okay. how is this unethical? Unethical is where you like you know do double deal or you screw somebody over or you or you lie about uh, global warming or you do something like that. that's unethical. So you're, you're phony up to numbers, and then you deny that it ever happened. That That's unethical. Why don't they say something about that? Going out and finding some cute blonde because you're bored, you know, and taking part in a legal... <laughs> is, is that why you go to see hookers? Because you're bored? I don't know. Other people, other people have other <laughs> oh, motives. I'm bored. Let's go find a hooker. I'm bored. Let's go find a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking of ethics, the uh, there's a fantastic report. I've been doing some reading. This is... Uh, Congressional Research Service. There's about 70 research organizations in the in the U.S. government. It's a report from July 20th titled "Waste, Fraud, and Abuse in Agency Travel Card Programs." And uh, so I want to say, so I've marked these up, and these will be linked in the show notes. You can download my marked up version. So just go to the big black boxes, read that. Um, so this is what's happening in our government. Uh, among some, and I'm quoting from the report, among some of the more egregious examples of card misuse. So these are travel cards where you can basically book travel on a credit card, a special type of credit card. Identified by auditors are a Federal Aviation Administration employee who charged $3,700 for laser eye surgery to his travel card. A Department of Defense employee. <laughs> you have to do it on the airplane to make it the card work? <laughs> yeah. No, they can. You, apparently, you can spend it on it. You can use it for anything you want, except like pawn shops, and some some vendors are blocked. A Department of Defense employee who requested and received a reimbursement for 13 airline tickets totaling almost $10,000 that he did not purchase. Department of State employee who took an unauthorized trip to Hawaii on a first-class ticket. Auditors also determined that certain agencies have not collected reimbursement for millions of dollars worth of unused airline tickets. Actually, it's close to about $100 million. Now, we scroll down a bit. Since... Enactment of the TTRA, this is the Travel and Transportation Reform Act of 1998. This is where they handed out these cards because, ooh, it'll be so much more accountable. The dollar volume of travel card transactions has increased increased 89% 
growing from $4.39 billion in 1999 to $8.28 billion in fiscal year 2008. The number of transactions has almost doubled. And I'm reading through this entire report here. It is Department of Defense over a period of seven years purchased more than 100 million. Just the Department of Defense purchased over more than $100 million in airline tickets that were not used, but they didn't take the time to go and get the refunds. Why bother? And, of course, everyone's traveling first class, even though you're only supposed to be traveling uh, coach, unless, I love this, there was some really funny, uh, funny little law in here. If uh, is that one of the time things where it's over six hours, you can do this, you can do that. Well, more than fourteen hours, but here's uh, uh, here it is. Only when no coach or business class accommodations accommodations are are available is it necessary to accommodate a disability, or when exceptional quote security circumstances require it. Business class may be used under the same circumstances as first class, but also when coach class accommodations are available but unsanitary. What the fuck what? is that? What does that mean? <laughs> it's unsanitary. Well, hey, of course, somebody <laughs> puked in my seat. It's unsanitary. <laughs> These guys are crazy. It's always unsanitary. By definition, you're sitting there with a bunch of cattle wheezing and coughing and puking on each other. It is unsanitary. So, of course, they're all going to upgrade to first cl- Not even upgrade. They're buying first class. You yeah, can upgrade really cheaper. Expensive. Yeah. Now, the thing, of course, that is not mentioned anywhere is no one ever gets disciplined. No one's ever ever laid off. No one's ever fired. You know, if you pull a scam like that in any corporation, if you did, if someone did it at Mevio, they'd be fired. I fired people for doing that. I fired people for for booking things on their personal uh, on the company credit card and then taking the gifts. I had one guy. He had vacuum cleaners, toasters, flat screen TVs. He was taking all the perks that, of course, are company property and and put them in his own house. Wedding ring. And had to fire the guy. But oh no. When is a wedding ring a perk? Well, you you, you get it on your credit card points. So it was a corporate card, and uh, but he was it was in his name, and he was in, in charge of tra- a couple of companies to go. He was in charge of travel for a big company, like seven hundred employees. Well, guess what? There's a lot of travel going on, and those perks build up pretty quick. And he was like shopping away at the Visa store, and and, and worse when he got busted, he lied about it. Yeah, you know, but you got fired for that stuff. Oh no, it's okay. Just go get your your eye laser surgery. Write a new memo. Yeah. Yeah, write, write a new research report. Oh, we'll do better. That's unethical. That's the de- that's the definition of unethical. Well, that's there just, you have it. That's just nasty. Take advantage of the situation. The government basically is just stealing our money. Yes, exactly. That's well, taxpayer money we're talking about. Why don't we open the gate for a second, John? So I have uh, I've done some research, which I think uh, we'll we'll get into in a moment, as we still have a couple of news stories out of Copenhagen, Copenhagen, that we need to discuss. It should be pronounced Copenhagen. They made a big deal about that because the Germans used to pronounce it Copenhagen or something. I, th- and I thought it is Copenhagen. No, it's Copenhagen. Who says that? The the Dutch. I'm sorry, the, the Danish. <laughs> the, the, those guys of north. No, check it out. I mean, there's a big deal about the pronunciation of it. And Copenhagen. It's Copenhagen. Is, 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 is it's a like, German pronunciation that harkens back to World War II, and they, they're very offended by it. Dude, this is, this is so not true. It's Nina Hagen, Copenhagen. Everybody knows that. 
So we'll hear uh, from one of our Danish listeners, I'm yes, sure. Yes, we'd like to know the official Danish pronunciation. I would say Copenhagen. Whatever. Well, that's because you're pronouncing it like a like a like a like a Dutch. Well, I'm pronouncing it like our president's pronouncing it. The uh, do you want to go through uh, President Obama's speech for a couple minutes that he? Uh, well, if we're going to go this route, I think we should begin with something a little lighter and more entertaining. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty funny. <laughs> well, that, it'll be funnier after you listen to this to Al Gore himself. Oh no. Don't tell Al Gore himself actually reading his own piece of crap poem on the morning show with Harry John, Smith, John. who apparently starts to cry. Wait a minute, is this the stuff that we had him reading last uh, last week? Yeah, but now this is directly to Harry Smith, who, who now sobs. Wait a minute, so wait a minute, L let me get this straight. So we had Al Gore doing an impromptu, quote, um, reading backstage... At some television show, uh, which yeah. I think was... Now he's, he's doing it front and center. Wait, so he's actually sitting there reciting his poetry. Yes. And Harry Smith tears up. For sounds like it. Okay, let's go. One thin September soon, a floating continent disappears in midnight sun. Vapors rise as fever settles on an acid sea. Neptune's bones dissolve. Snow glides from the mountain. Ice fathers floods for a season. A hard rain comes quickly. Then dirt is parched. Kindling is placed in the forest for the lightning celebration. Unknown creatures take their leave unmourned. Horsemen ready their stirrups. Passion seeks heroes and friends. The bell of the city on the hill is rung. The shepherd cries. The hour of choosing has arrived. Here are your tools. Wow. I'm so glad you read that. I was really, I'm very happy. Thanks for asking me. I'm happy to hear it in your voice. <laughs> Harry is amazing. He's outstanding. Let me hear that last bit again. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm so glad you read that in your own voice. It, it just not, wouldn't have done justice if... Tom Selleck had been reading it. It just, it just wouldn't have been good enough. I'm glad you read that. I was really, I'm very happy. Thanks for asking me. I'm uh, happy to hear it in your uh, voice. Uh, hold on, John. Uh, uh, I, I just got to shoot myself after hearing that. What is that? Is that last bit? Is that you laughing in the background while you were no, recording actually, this? No, actually, that was, a, that was, that I took that clip from Fox. Yeah. And they were laughing at it in the background. Oh, my God. I'm going to put this as a, as a separate bit in the No Agenda stream. And then, oh wait, maybe it'll work like this. Hold on, let me see if I can make this work. This might sound good. Let's just, run, just run the poem. The hour of choosing has arrived. Here are your tools. Wow. You will obey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like that. Oh my God. Oh, the guy is what is that? The definition of megalomania, or am I incorrect? Uh, it's just, it's pretty damn close. That is outrageous. Well, I mean, you know, it's a love fest when it comes to gore. So what? So what is the point of this? So I know that he's pushing his book, and of course he's pushing the entire agenda. But what is the point of the poetry? I mean, is that just another reason to get on the? Is he going to do this his, everywhere? Show his multidimensionality. Ah, well, he's me, more than just a blowhard. He's also a poet. He's sensitive. <laughs> he's he's more than just a dick. He's a poet. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to produce something after the show for this. I like it. <laughs> it's really good. I got to write that down.
And I think I'm going to do my own reading of it. It's just beautiful. You, you should. <laughs> you should. We should do it with a laugh track. <laughs> and sound effects. Oh, my goodness. Actually, yeah, maybe I'll do We should do dueling poetry readings of, yeah. the, of this poem. <laughs> okay, let's see who can do it better. Mickey, will you do a reading of Al Gore's poetry as well? Sure. Yeah, she's into it. <laughs> okay, we'll, just, we'll make it a, a, a thing. You know, we'll just yeah. make it a thing. For well, a no, this is what our producers should be doing. They should be sending in the best reading of Al Gore poetry because the man is clearly a genius. He should be, he should be, a, he should be a Nobel laureate for crying outside. What's that, huh? You do it real sexy? Yeah, but anyway. Yeah, real sexy So, voice. okay, now let's move on to Obama. Well, hold on a second. Can I just, a, a, a brief pit stop at Pelosi? Who, of oh, course, uh, Pelosi? Yeah. Oh, jobs, yes. She says jobs, jobs, jobs again. I well, know that. Jobs, 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 and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. So, of course, we have Angela Merkel up there in uh, Copenhagen. Arbeit, Arbeit, Arbeit. And don't forget that we've got Joe Biden. Jobs, jobs. Jobs, jobs. Yeah, you know, they're not trying to program your brain or, or anything. So Pelosi no. goes up to Copenhagen with 25 members of the House. And remember, on the last show, we played for you the bit where it was made very clear that they had to ramrod through this defense spending bill, which passed so that they could make the plane. And yes, and indeed. then the joke of it, of course, they had to rush back in, in, in front of the blizzard coming in. Yeah. <laughs> the global warming front. Uh, and it was her 757. You're correct. It was her 757. I've uh, had that confirmed. And so um, here she is on uh, CNBC talking about why, of course, this Copenhagen agreement is so incredibly important. House Speaker Pelosi on the eve of the 2010 election says politicians have to convince average Americans that this deal would be good for them, too. Our American people should be pleased with this for four reasons. Jobs, 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 and jobs. Yep, there you go. For some reason, that was she stays on on message. <sighs> but it's not just jobs; it's it's security, it's energy security, and and the way they spin this is just unbelievable. You know, it's energy security because of our dependence upon foreign oil, because we're so afraid of Canada, and uh, and it's for green jobs. And and by the way, from a social engineering standpoint, I I will have to admit that it is an idea to create uh, this fake necessity for green job sectors. Of course, none of it really uh, pays off. You know, windmills just don't pay off as well, so it it would cost way too much to get too little energy out. Uh, But that is a way to kickstart a new form of economy, but they're really doing a half-hearted job. So it's it's just kind of bullshit. How many green jobs are there going to be? Yeah, some battery shit and stuff. But, you know, the president does exactly the same thing. So let's listen to – we can't listen to all 10 minutes of it, but it's linked in the show notes at noagendashow.com. Good morning. Good morning. It is an honor for me to join this distinguished group of leaders from nations around the world. We come here – in Copenhagen because climate change poses a grave and growing danger. He, he, he almost, first of all, he said Copenhagen. You're right. And then he almost says clear and present da- danger, but he decided to go with grave and clear yeah, danger. He would get sued by Tom Cl- Clancy. Yeah. To our people. All of you would not be here unless... You all be dead <laughs> if you'd not be here. Wait a minute. Listen to this lie. ...danger to our people. All of you would not be here unless you, like me, were convinced that this danger is real. Now, 
Now, didn't people like walk out? Aren't there? Uh, isn't China saying you know we want more global warming because our rice will will grow, but with thirty percent more, they want more CO two. This is not true. They're not all there for the same reason. They're all there to get a piece of the money pie. That's what they're there for. Well, the funny thing is, is that he introduces, which I find peculiar, he introduces a moment of doubt, which I thought was a kind of um, off message. I mean, instead of being, you know, convinced that everybody's in agreement, you know, and they all agree, and the science is in, he says, you know, he he suggests that there's a debate. Well, hold on, because he does hit the sciences in. Listen, not be here unless you, like me, were convinced that this danger is real. See that this that's a that's a moment of doubt. Well, you're convinced is, that the, he's not saying that that the danger is real. He's saying that you're that you're convinced the danger is real. Ooh, I like that. We've tricked you. So it's not real, but you're convinced it's real. Very good, John. Oh, words do matter, don't they? So he's not really lying. He's, in fact, he's being overly honest. You're convinced that this hoax is real. That's why you're here. Hmm. Interesting. As we continue. This is not fiction. It is science. Ah, there we go. Hold on a second. The science is in. Science. Unchecked, climate change will pose unacceptable risks to our security, our economies, and our planet. <sighs> I mean, how can I even respond to that anymore? Well, yeah. So there's a, I have a clip that's kind of like this. Uh, I was watching MS, you know, MSNBC, people always moan and groan about Fox. But MSNBC News, they actually have news most of the day. That, you know, no, no they don't. No, they don't. I was on that MSNBC News show during the day. When right, I, you're when the I one that suggested that, that, yeah. But Michael that Jackson, you. The, that would, there goes your career. Michael, ja- Michael Jackson had been killed and they hung up on me and no one ever responded because no one watches the news on MSNBC during no, the day. No, they don't, but I did. Okay. And it's worse than Fox in terms of going the other way. Okay. And I have a little clip here. This is a little long, but it's there's a guy on, you know, I, I don't like Shepard Smith much. I think he looks like an alien, a reptile. <laughs> but the, their version of Shepard Smith is Dylan Radigan. Okay. And Dylan Radigan really looks reptilian, and he's uh, an a unbelievable dick. But the worst part about it <laughs> is that in this particular exchange, which I have here, um, I'm he lo- comes oh. up with some weird ill logic. Oh, this guy. Yeah, no, he does he does look reptilian, doesn't he? Ooh. Okay. But not that but he's he's very unpleasant. I don't know why anyway. He just I just just I just don't but anyway, he's here he is being just a dick. With some <laughs> weird United- logic. With some with some weird logic. Okay, I'm sorry, I'll yeah. start over again. The United States is prepared to work with other countries toward a goal oh, of the way, wait, stop. Mo- this is this starts off with a clip from Hillary. Then there's there's this black co-anchor that's grilling some Republican who thinks that the most of this is bogus, and then so they start attacking him instead of you know trying to get his perspective. But at the beginning they they have this Hillary clip which everyone's supposed to respond to, and Hillary pulls a fast one. If you listen to it, she she talks about how we're what we're going to do is we're going to get together, we're going to do a 
$100 billion to all the poor countries, but if you really listen to her wording carefully, it's like some sort of $100 billion, But she never says that we're going to cough up anything. No. It's some sort of joint $100 billion that's a nebulous number. Play, play it from the beginning and listen to her, her double talk. ...is prepared to work with other countries toward a goal of jointly mobilizing $100 billion a year by 2020. Oh, well, jointly mobilizing doesn't mean anything. You know, it doesn't mean anything. I've I've got I've got uh, something mobilizing in my pants right now. It's not actually <laughs> jointly doing, mobilizing. It's jointly mobilizing to address the climate change needs of developing countries. And here I play that because this is about compromise. This is about finding some middle ground with China, especially with the United States. And again, you see this administration try to make some steps forward. And here back at home, you have what some Democrats believe again the party of no tearing at it before there's even anything on the table, Brent. And I agree, there can be something looked into about the, the fudging of these numbers, all of that. Fudging of the numbers, it's just fudging, nothing, we, we could, should we look into maybe, but I mean, come on, let's move on. Why can't a part of the conversation be from the Republicans' solutions and not just, at least in that Solutions to what? Solutions, solutions, we need solutions. Who is this woman? I don't know, she's the black co-anchor and I didn't get her name. As we continue. Already tearing it down and there's no deal. Well, well, again, uh, the Republican Party has offered uh, solutions on a myriad of issues, health care among those. We're now we're talking about uh, climate change. I think the concern is, is that we've already seen what the Democrats' proposals sort of look like, because we've had this discussion about this cap-and-trade uh, bill, which we're now calling an energy tax, a national energy tax, which would have a tremendously negative effect on jobs in this country. That, it would cost Americans an awful lot of money. Brent, let's be absolutely clear. Let's, we're talking about a $15 trillion world economy. The, the, the economists say that cap-and-trade would cost about $50 billion. Yes, it's a lot of jobs, but that is a drop in the bucket compared to the worldwide economy. Why is that difficult to understand? Well, uh, again, it may be just a, a few jobs to you, David, but it's a lot of jobs to Americans that are currently out there looking for work right now. We're, we have a, a very high unemployment rate. The president's poll numbers are 46% approved, 40, uh, 47% approved, 46 un disapproved, because we have problems with uh, jobs in this country right now. And we're talking about putting additional burdens on the job market. It's just not the time to be doing that right now. Well, we're also talking about creating jobs in the green sector if uh, Congress can get its act together. But in any case, Mo Alethi and Brent Littlefield, thank you both for coming on today. We appreciate right. it. This is bull. So, that, so what does the worldwide economy have to do with cap and trade that only will implement? <sighs> it's just false logic. Well, this, this, and they throw it out there, well, it's only $50 billion, you know, so what? It's just drop in the bucket compared to to the you know size of the of the, the sun. The, I mean, it's just like <laughs> there's no connection. You know, this whole thing is this. So there's, I'm analyzing this from a couple different directions. First of all, no one is because you because we can't pronounce his name. I'm convinced that's the reason. No one is talking about Rajendra. K. Pachauri. Oh, that screwball-looking head of the uh, United of the, Nations Science. That yeah. that guy who looks like uh, Osama bin Laden. No, he does. No, he doesn't look like Osama bin Laden. He looks like one of the Geico cavemen. Is, yeah, he is does. My he's, he's actually obnoxiously homely. Yes. So this guy, he sits on boards of energy companies. He he was. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of great articles. Um, does this guy, by the way, is this guy, uh, people should check out his picture. Does this guy get up in the morning, look in the mirror, and see that scraggly <laughs> say, hair all yeah, over his face? I, I look good. And, yeah, and say that to himself? <laughs> I look good.
I mean, shave for God's sake. So you have the Tata Energy Research Institute, better known oh, as those guys. T-E-R-I, which is in a, a group out of India, which, of course, is affiliated with Tata Steel, um, the Tata and group. Tata which, outsourcing and Tata. Yes, everything Tata, 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 before you know it, gone before your very eyes. So this and guy, by the way, Hillary Clinton's associated with this company. Yeah, well, everyone is, and, the, and you know, uh, and this uh, Pashauri guy, he received uh, uh, millions and millions in subsidies. And what happens is they create these carbon credits out of all this bullshit from the, his outfit, the IPCC, which he, of course, uh, is the chair of because of their whole global warming scam. And now what these guys do is, is they figured out, I mean, they're so smart. You have to, you have to really read through these three articles listed under the climate change heading in the show notes. So they close a huge, uh, a chorus, which is a, 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 which they bought from the Dutch, I think. They close a huge steel making plant in the UK. So they get the equivalent of like 30 pounds per carbon credit. And then they can open a new plant, which they get subsidized for in India. So they're making money both ways because of this whole carbon credit scam. And by the way, manufacturing in 1997 was almost a quarter of Britain's economic output. And now it's less than 11%. And this guy, is, is he's on board with the whole program. He's like, okay, I'm going to take money from the same guys I'm going to help get into this carbon credit scam. And he's on boards of energy companies. There's there's at least three different articles about this guy. And, of course, no one cares because, you know, it's like, eh, I can't pronounce the guy's name. Uh, well, they don't care work. for other reasons, too. They've all bought into this. Nobody sees the conflict of interest or cares about it. Well, it's the fact huge... that they would shut down a steel mill. I mean, where's the where's the net where's the net on this? You shut down one steel mill and in England and take some credits and then open another one up in India. And of course, India is not really taking part in cap and trade. They don't, they'll take part in the trade, but not the cap. Listen to this. Pashauri is also a strategic advisor to several private investment and venture capital firms, including Pegasus Capital Advisors LP in New York. Sidirian Ventures in the Netherlands, established by Tendris Holding, part owned by Philips, and Houston-based biotech firm Glory Oil, <laughs> Glory Hole, where Pachauri serves on the board of advisors. The guy has on every single board. He's like the spider in the web. And he's up there. like He's not an independent scientist. And no one can. Where's the profiles on this guy? Where are we doing some investigative research on this dude? No, we have to get that from World News Daily? That's where I have to learn about this incredible conflict of interest? Apparently. It's an outrage. And this is the guy who's standing up there, and uh, along with Al Gore reading poetry, science! and saying that it's clear the science is in, there's nothing that can be done about it, we have to move, 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 we've got to give it $100 billion together. It's crazy, I tell you. It's absolutely crazy. And you will not hear a you will not hear this name Pashauri uttered on any mainstream news reporting. Nowhere. And particularly not, I'll bet you, if you were to look at any PBS program sponsored by Philips, who do sponsor a couple of these national treasures from time to time, they're definitely not going to report on this guy. Because they they all inherently have a conflict of interest. The only conflict of interest that we have on this show 
We don't even, I can't even think of a conflict of interest. It, the only conflict I've had is should I go pee before the show or hold it? That's the <laughs> well, only that's conflict. conflict. For you, apparently. Yeah, that's the only conflict. Now, of course, the conundrum is that we're not making millions of dollars bringing you fake news in, wrapped in pretty pictures. We bring you real news wrapped in hokey jingles. And the only way that we can make money is if you actually support us. And that support is not just like, you know, uh, you know, like some off the cuff thing. It's like real support. We have, you know, we, we could make, with the audience size we have, we could certainly make some money with commercials. We could be stopping right now to sell you some Squarespace, some East Bay, some eHarmony, some budget render car. I could come up with tons of things we could sell. But then could we ever talk about these companies? Could we ever talk about the atrocities by shoe companies in the in Eastern nations? Could we ever talk about uh, global warming the way we do if we're supporting car rental companies? No, we'd, we'd run into problems eventually. Ergo, we need your support, and we need a lot more of it. You've heard our uh, executive producer donations consistently go down. Now the uh, the top donor on a showly on a weekly basis is about hundred dollars. I'm not scoffing at it, but it's not enough. There's two guys here. Did we get any other money in this week, John? Yeah, let's go over some people who gave us some uh, donations and uh, some notes. Jack uh, Hovermail Hovermail in West Reston, Virginia, sixty. Vincent Dunstan in New South Wales, Australia, 50. Dorothy Doring, who has given to us before she's in St. Paul, she gave us another $60 in a note saying that she thought we were great. Now, uh, she, also, she, went, she actually went a little bit further. Wasn't she, didn't she say that her late husband, who was a musician, that he, uh, he was always talking about the global governance and the new world order, and he passed away, and so we remind him uh, her of him? Isn't that what she said? Which I thought was really sweet. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. it was, it was very, very, very uh, sweet touching. Note. Yeah. Uh, Dixon Paul, uh, 80, and he is, hold on a second, he is, oh yeah, he's in Maguro, Tokyo, Japan. All right, Maguro. Maguro. Dixon Paul, is he the Paul Dixon, or it's probably Paul Dixon, they got his name, yeah, it's Paul Dixon, they got his name backwards on the, uh, on the, the thing here. receipt, yeah. Uh, Hank uh, Weavers, or Weavers, W-E-V-E-R-S. Yeah, Hank H E N K. Yes, and Hank, and he had a, a nice pronunciation challenge for you, I believe. I can't remember what it was, but I think it was Lou Warden. <laughs> no, here it Lou, comes. I can't pronounce it. Here it comes. It's Leovarden. Leovarden. Very good. And the province he's from, in the official pronunciation, is Friesland. Friesland. Very good, John. There you go, Hank. Where the, in in Friesland they speak uh, a language that is, I believe, akin to Welsh, and a couple huh. other. See, so yeah, it's one of these like Gaelic kind of weird places that just never really changed, and they have, they keep their own language, a lot of their own traditions, and and they. I wonder keep, what their cheese tastes like. I don't know. What does Friesland know? Does, does Friesland have good cheese? What do they have out there? Nothing? No, they got nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Andrew Norris gave us, uh, Calgary gave us 50. Mark uh, Bodiford for Brandon Mixon, who doesn't have any money, so he gave us 50 bucks. He's from Mobile, oh, Mobile Alabama. Mobile. And uh, he says that Brandon hates the begging. And then let me tell you something, Brandon. If we weren't begging for money, we'd get no money. Yeah. 
Have you ever have you ever watched PBS or ever watched or ever listened to NPR? Oh, they go on with the auctions and let's go for days on end. And they have sponsors. Who are they kidding? Keith McBride, Gibsonia, Pennsylvania, fifty. Ricky Pierce uh, still contributing tonight, as so is John Kelly, and uh, somebody from Christ Church, New Zealand, anonymously gave a seventy. John Turek, uh, Cowersport, Pennsylvania, fifty. David. Schwenk, 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 S-C-H-W-N-K from Tulsa, Oklahoma, another 50. And then we had a couple that we missed, apparently, from last week. But we also have uh, Yusef Tamayo in Amsterdam. Okay. Uh, 55-55. Brian Morris we gave last week. He says, my wife and I canceled our cable TV two years ago. We believe that's helped us open our eyes to what's really going on. In other words, stop watching TV. Now, shall I tell you, shall I just, I just want to pause there for a second, John, because I think this is a very good idea. In uh, So we've already motivated a number of people who have a an ongoing subscription or donation to public television or national public radio. Cancel that and switch over and give that to uh, uh, no agenda. And, and, and you know, if, if you're given a lot and you can certainly spread it around, we're happy to take as much as possible. But in countries like um, the Netherlands, where you have an absolute tax, which is called kijk en luistergeld, uh, which is watch and listening money, l- translated literally, or the United Kingdom, which has the TV license fee. So just to own a television or a radio, in fact, if you own a radio, it's a little bit less than owning a radio and a television. In fact, they have commercials running on television that say, if you don't pay, you're in the database. If you don't pay for your for your your TV license, we'll come and find you. We'll come and get you. So why don't you just give up your television and pay that money to no agenda or to any of your favorite uh, independent uh, and alternative news sources who actually give you some real news. And, of course, we'd be first in line saying thank you very much. It was our idea. Yeah. So, so hand it over. because I we, think that's, that's a good point. Let me finish the last well, three I mean, just Let me finish the point up is that you can get... Any, if you want drivel, you can get it on any type of website you want. You can get it on the, on those, uh, network websites. You can still watch, you know, uh, America's Next Top Model. You don't need a television for that. Just, you know, just use your computer and donate that money to us. It's a waste going to these other organizations. I agree. Uh, Brian Morris, uh, Gave us fifty three forty two, and he wants us to plug his wife's blog, Chiots Run, Chiots Run, C H I O T S R U N. She blogs about growing your own food and supporting local farms and growers. Oh, cool! Which is good. Mike Caddick of Victoria, Australia, fifty dollars and fifty cents, and he he hates the jingles, which is in the morning, which we don't. And finally, uh, Jeffrey Gerlach, who uh, we mentioned last, but we didn't give a, a mention of his podcastforpeace.com. Uh, ask listeners to participate in a peace, peace practice. Is that something we peace. could, is that something maybe we put on the no agenda stream? Uh, podcast, I don't know. I'll have to listen to it. We'll see. It might be good. I'm going to put the uh, Gitmo Nation roundtable on the stream. That's kind of cool, where a whole bunch of our listeners get together once or twice a week and That'd talk about be, some issues. Yeah, I think we should do some of these things for sure. And, uh, yeah. and, also, clear. and of course, uh, our, uh, our executive producer for today is the, uh, the illustrious Lucas Hokinson, 
who's uh, given us the $101 uh, and one cent, and he is from, um, where did I say? Oh, yeah, from Selkirk, Manitoba. Burr. And then, He's got to be looking forward to global warming, that guy. And I'd like to mention that there are a number of No Agenda iPhone apps available uh, for purchase in the iTunes store. And uh, I'm not sure. From some of those, I believe a portion of it is uh, donated to this program. Along those lines, Paul Schreiber says, Adam, I have a new uh, app in iTunes called Santa Barf. And I'll give 10% of my revenue of uh, the Santa Barf app to No Agenda. Uh, it's a seasonal thing, so I figured I'd give him a little plug. You know, it's not really good after uh, the 25th of December. Then it's kind of not so funny. Yeah, I wouldn't think. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we'll certainly... Uh, and, and so, noagendashow.com, dvorak.org slash NA to donate. We would appreciate... Uh, Picking it up a couple of notches. I, I realize it's the Christmas season. People are buying stuff for their family, and that's where I think why we, our executive producers, haven't been uh, uh, bringing in big numbers. Someone sent me a YouTube link. Al Gore reading his poem at the Copenha Copenhagen Climate Summit. He does it there too. I don't know. Let's he just loves his own poetry. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> this seems like a spoof. What's well, a spoof? <laughs> Forget it. It's Al Gore standing in a snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <coughs> so we, I think we should do a little, by the way, again, there's noagendashow.com and dvork.org slash NA and you help us out. Uh, I think we should do a little real news. Well, can you hold on before we get to real news? I just want, I want before we close the gate, because I, I told you I did a little bit of research. Oh, the, the gate's still open? The gate is still wide open, my friend. This is what it's all about, because I was able to obtain... The latest version of the Copenhagen Accord. Uh, by the way, if you haven't seen this picture, it's on the front page of the Financial Times. I love this picture. It's all over the web as well. It is the, uh, let's see, we have Gordon Brown, Angela Merkel, Barack Obama. They're all sitting around, like, like they're at a PTA meeting in a semicircle with chips and bottles of water. And this is how our leaders apparently uh, have to have this huge negotiation. Sarkozy is sitting there. Have you seen this picture, John? No, send it to me. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I'll find it in a second. Well, just Google it while I'm telling the story. You have to see. It's, 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 the, it's the, the, the discussion they had to, to get this deal together. So I'm like, all right, so they've got a deal. And it seems uh, there's a couple things which I think I understand, one of which... They're, they're attempting to propose a 2% tax on all, a global 2% tax on all financial transactions. So if I were to send money to my daughter in the United Kingdom, then the world government will take 2% of that money as a tax and send it to Africa to stop it from being warm. So I have an obvious problem with that. But more importantly, it's a scam. Were they just stealing money anytime yes. you walk outside? Yeah. Oh, please. So right at the top. So you know. So everyone's like reading through the agreement and you know, and like pointing out all the and pointing pointing out all these little pieces. Oh, here's what they're going to do there. No, no, no. It's mu it's much more intricate than that. Right at the top. Okay. And I learned this from from reading the Lisbon Treaty. So the heads of state, heads of government, ministers, and other heads of delegation present at the United Nations Climate Change Conference 2009 in Copenhagen. Here it comes. 
in pursuit of the ultimate objective of the convention as stated in its Article 2, being guided by the principles and provisions of the convention, noting the results of work done by the two ad hoc, ad hoc working groups, and endorsing decision XCP-15. So right at the top, in pursuit of the ultimate objective of the convention as stated in its Article 2. This is where you can stop reading the rest of the document, just stop reading it, and go find the convention, which is the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change from 1992. And in this, Article 2, which I've also outlined for you in my marked-up uh, versions of these PDFs, Objective, the ultimate objective, this is 1992, John, the ultimate objective of this convention and any related legal instruments that the conference of the parties may adopt is to achieve in accordance with the relevant provisions of the convention, stabilization of greenhouse gas concentrations in the atmosphere at a level that would prevent dangerous anthropogenic, so they're even talking about it there, that's man-made, interference with the climate system. Such a level should be achieved within a time frame sufficient to allow ecosystems to adapt naturally to climate change, to ensure that food production is not threatened, and to enable economic development to proceed in a sustainable manner. So then you start reading on. It's like, okay, I want to find out more about this. Dude, then you have to go look up conventions from 1989. They have created building blocks, John. It's like Legos that you have to snap together, and it's no big deal. Okay, so we don't get it done in Copenhagen. You know what? We're going to meet in six months, and we're going to do it. And that's why they jump around from, from place to place. So it, this is how it worked with the Lisbon Treaty. Why do they call it the Lisbon Treaty? Because they went to a different place, and then it's recognized as, oh, okay, right, that's the, uh, that's the, the Lisbon Treaty. And I'm going through this, and I'm, after like three hours, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I, I see that they're building this global government, but you have to go back to 1920, where it all started with the League of Nations, which eventually became, well, along with the Council on Foreign Relations and the RIIA, which was the British version of the Council on Foreign Relations. Then they create, go on to create the United Nations, and then UNESCO, and the UNED. Then, of course, after the world, we really, really saw the United Nations crop up. And then they started uh, moving around from place to place. And here are the conventions you have to follow. Um, hold on. It starts off with, oops. It's just crazy. I need some real help with this, by the way. Or, or buy me some time by donating. Okay, so um, Rio. Wait, first it was New York. Then we were in Rio in 1992. Then we move the whole thing over where, where, and they keep adding these bills. So it's then the Convention of Rio. Then from Rio, we went to Vienna. So that was the Conference on Human Rights, which was held in Vienna. And they keep adding things to all these conventions, and they're referenced all the way up to this top document in Copenhagen. Then we went to Vienna. Then from Vienna to Uruguay, from Uruguay to Cairo in 1994. We went from Cairo to Copenhagen in 1995, the UN World Summit on Social Development. Do you start to see the pattern, how it works? Then we went from Copenhagen back to New York, from New York to Beijing, all in 95, by the way. Then, of course, we were in San Francisco after the, the Beijing conference uh, adjourned. San Francisco, September 27th, 1995. You were here, John, I presume? As far as I'm concerned. A quote from Sam Keane at that very convention. If we cut the world's population by 90%, 
Well, there'll be no economic, eco ecological damage. That's right. Then from San Francisco to Istanbul in 1996. From Istanbul to Geneva in the same year. And then from Geneva, we finally get to global governance. This is where it all starts with the, with the convention of 1980, uh, 1989. So I've been, I'm working and a couple of websites, I'll put the links well, in the show notes. You need to put together a timeline because you jumped from 1996 to 1989. No, no, I went... A 98, I'm sorry. Not 89, 98. So the, I, I do have a document with a timeline. So Geneva in uh, 98 is when they started talking about glo global governance? Yes. They've been talking about population control from the get-go. From the, from the very beginning. And there's this guy named Maurice Strong who's really been the proponent of this. And there's a couple links to uh I'm to, telling you, this is just to protect well. the, wealth, the wealth of the super rich. And it's, it's, just, it's just tiring. Let's just kill everybody, and then I can have even more money. Yeah, and control over the rest of the slaves. That's, that's truly what it is. So there's this one website which, is, uh, which has a, a two-pager, and it has, it's, a great, it's really good, John. You'll enjoy this because it has uh, little uh, reference notes everywhere. So you know, when there's some quote from either a document or attributed to a person, there's a little index uh, number there, and you click on it, and it takes you to it. It's called Global Governance, Why, How, and When. It's a two-pager, but it's long. And, uh, and I highly recommend people read that. I I've read it once. I'm going to reread it again and again until I have all of this stuff hammered into my head and so I really understand it. But this Copenhagen thing, the fact that it's falling apart, yeah, it makes us feel kind of, you know, on the short term, like, oh, okay, well, yo, hey, hey, we got him this time, didn't we? No, we didn't. Because they're just going to do it again in six months and again in six months after that. And they just continue to add little bits and pieces and all of these documents are legal and they all link back. It's like a big hyperlink web and they reference all these previous conventions. So they'll put a little thing in this one, then they'll reference back to that, add a little bit on top. And before you know it, we're, I mean, I don't, we may not even make it. I mean, global governments may come and we may not even be alive, John, but I think it's unstoppable. I think they're just going to continue. Just building bit on bit. Well, on bit. They, they, the model, of course, or the fractal is the way the EU was uh, ramrodded to a <laughs> to a public that didn't really want it. And that started in the after the Second World War. And yeah, these things take a while. Yeah, so it, so it took fifty, sixty years, but they got it done. The, the global governance, you can expect that to take a little bit longer. Of course, you know, maybe I think a hundred years would probably be good. But that's you're exactly right, and. 20 years ago, everyone in the European Union or the European Commonwealth that was known at the time or the European Economic uh, Community, like, yeah, this is good. You know, we're, we're, we, we could be an economic force. It's not a bad idea. Yeah, let's all kind of share our, our data. And oh, you know what? Yeah, we'll take that global currency. Yeah, I mean, the European currency. That's a good idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired of those exchange rates. Of course, little did they know that they were being hoodwinked into a central bank of Europe, and then all of a sudden, oh, what? Wait a minute, we've got some Belgian dude, and he's like the president, and we didn't elect him? How come we don't get a yes-we-can change and hope little ceremony? We didn't even get the, the party. We didn't even get to throw a party for the dude, let alone elect him. So, yes, that's what's taking place. Funny how you don't learn that in school. Funny. No, what you learn in school is that the UN is good. <clears throat> yeah. Or you learn in school that the global government's a great idea. Yeah, it's fantastic. We've had our very own listeners call up, the seventh graders. 
Yeah, you know, they're teaching that uh, global government is good in my school. And the one world currency is going to rock. We can take our money anywhere. It's not, it's not going to matter, friends. It's all going to be an electronic money. If you don't mind me just harping for one minute. I am getting a little pissed off with this whole notion of you can only use credit or debit cards to buy food on the airplane. What happened to taking money? Have you? Have I you find it peculiar that? too. Uh, they, I know they started this up. You can, uh, they, you know, I think. I mean, the argument will, maybe was well, the, the stewardesses are stealing the money. Or or it's too dangerous, or they can get mugged. Security. I, I mean, I don't get it either. I I'm just or it's just inconvenient because you have to go around back and forth. I get you change. I get you change. You know, they could have just said uh, money exact change only. That would work. But no, they now they want you. To use, these cards are ridiculously out of control. They don't want people using cash. So I recommend to everybody just use cash. In fact, we, my wife noticed this interesting phenomenon, which is uh, if you turn if, instead of using cards or even checks, if you just use use cash to buy everything you have a different take on what you spend oh yeah you know you, you're actually seeing the cash go away yeah, yeah. and so you you're a little more certain you're just not buying everything like a mad per i mean let's face it this whole country went into debt with credit cards because they did you know just throw the card out there deal with it later yeah but this, can't do that with but cash. This, this airline thing that happened overnight all of a sudden you know, first of all, we have to pay for what they pass off as food, which is basically a box of starch and chemicals. Uh, it's nice that you can still get a ginger ale for free, but everything else you've, you've you have to pay for, and it's seven bucks for the starch starch box, and you have to pay for it with your with your car. Which, by the way, takes just as long because these terminals they have to tap out with a little stylus. And what the hell is that? They're tapping it out with a stylus while 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 cloud surfing in the aisle it's that's dangerous i tell you it's that's literally more more dangerous than than uh than anything else is having both their hands preoccupied with a stylus on some antiquated <laughs> system hey, you your, your 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 sound on skype changed completely oh boy for the better or the when worse it sounds as though you went from FM radio to AM radio. It's not like it's distorted. It's just like it, all of a sudden you went from FM to AM. Uh, I think Mickey is uh, sending something. Are you sending an email with pictures? Yeah. Of course. Uh, how come she continues to do this during the show? Uh, because she doesn't care about the show. She doesn't give a shit. She's like, you know. Anyway, you hey, sound terrible. Hey, thanks. So now I sound too. Could you just quit your mail? Just quit the email app for a second. So, so Skype is actually pretty smart about that. It'll downgrade here. It should get better now. In a second. <laughs> but were you, were you uploading porn again? You really, oh, bad girl. So uh, <clears throat> anyway, so so it, we're moving towards a society where you cannot use cash anymore. It's highly discouraged. They want you to use your Visa card to McDonald's. That way, they can t they can track you like a dog. Yeah, of course. It's you can all tell about more about it. Per, like I, I remember hearing a lecture from the one-time CEO of American Express. He says, "Hey, with our d database of purchases, we can tell if you're having an affair. We can tell where you, you know, where you where you are at any given time. We can we can extract a lot of information from just credit card receipts." No, oh, and then you have the uh, 
the travel passes in the Netherlands and the same system implemented in the United Kingdom, uh, both fine upstanding states of Gitmo Nation East, which has an RFID card in it. You just pass by and your money is automatically deducted. It's linked to your uh, debit account. They know exactly where you're traveling. And, of course, not to mention that you can read these RFID uh, chips from other sensors as well, not just the travel system. They've imp- they're implementing uh, GPS-based black boxes into cars uh, under the auspices of carbon taxes. But, of course, it'll completely be trackable. You go through the airport TSA checkpoint, no longer called security, but a checkpoint, and they're taking your entire biometrics right there, your biometric scan which is traceable from satellites. Duh. So uh, <clears throat> you're going to have to reconnect because you, now you sound like you're from short rave radio. Really? Is it that bad? Okay, hold on. I'll hang up. It's actually and, quite funny, but... And I don't think it's funny. I'll hang up and you call me back within a second? Yeah. Okay. All right. And John should be calling back and hopefully we can get him back on. Okay, now I just have to connect him. There you go. Yeah, that's better? Yeah. Okay. So, another real news. Oh, hold on a second. And now, back to real news. Got a couple of stories here. One of them I thought was kind of amusing. A New Zealand story for the New Zealanders. A teenager flashing her breasts in the middle of a New Zealand road paid for her drunken revelry when a distracted driver ran into her. <laughs> Is she okay? I guess we ended up, uh, I, was, I guess so. She exposed herself to a couple of cars from a strip in the middle of the road when the stunt went awry. The uh, you know if it was a U.S. if it was in the U.S. she'd now be a registered sex offender. Oh yeah, and have to track like a dog in New Zealand. They think it's just funny. I think it's funny too. It is funny. I like so it. and then we also have I have the humorous. Uh, I, I've decided maybe I'll do a humorous clip every once in a while. Oh okay. Uh, I got one here uh, uh, from the David Letterman show. You can play it. Well, uh, according to a new poll, Tiger's uh, popularity has dropped to 33%. And I'm surprised because if all the stories we're hearing are true, let's just say half of the stories that we're hearing are true, it seems to me that this guy was doing pretty well in the polling. No. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So that's our Tiger Woods story. All right. That's funny. (laughs) That that definitely lightens up the mood a bit. He's on the cover of Newsweek. Is he? uh, Today, yeah. This week cover. I, I didn't buy it. I, Mickey had it in her hands. We were at Walgreens, and I saw her look at me because I knew she wanted to buy it because she hasn't been activated yet by the CIA. <clears throat> I knew she wanted to buy it, and she looked at me, and I saw her look, and she's like, oh, I, I better not buy this because that would be so stupid. Hey, read it online. Yeah, really. <laughs> so my last bit of humor is this one, which is uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a news report. From Wisconsin, apparently Tom Arnold, the actor, was plastered and in a Santa Claus outfit, and then he was just going up to every little kid that he could find in this. And it was a snow, snowy neighborhood. I guess he just walked around, going up to every little kid and saying, "Hey, you know where my reindeer are?" 
<laughs> okay. And so it starts off with the and uh, with some of the kids being interviewed, including this one at the beginning. But here's the report. It's under Tom. It's not like alcohol, so I knew it wasn't real Santa. Because Santa doesn't drink alcohol. Nine-year-old Katie Doherty says the Santa that ended up in her lawn was loud and had really dirty hands. She says he tried to put his hat on her little sister. Six-year-old Zoe describes him in one word. Drunk. Yelling at him. Have you seen my reindeer? If you see my reindeer, you call me right away. The girl's mom called the police instead. He thought he was spreading good cheer and, you know, in some lights he may have been, but, you know, I don't think that, you know, Mr. Arnold had any ill intent. I believe that, uh, you know, his level of intoxication probably impaired his judgment. <laughs> I think we'll have to deem that. The distraction of the week. Hey, on no agenda. I like the fact that a six-year-old, little six-year-old girl can describe <laughs> him as drunk. He smelled just like my daddy. He's drunk. I know what drunk means. <laughs> drunk. <laughs> Oh, yes. Uh, the news will be filled with that. Of course, it has shades of the Christmas movie with, um, what's the guy's name who was married to Ange- Billy Bob? Yeah, where he played the bad Santa. <laughs> yeah, that was, what was the name? Was it called the bad Santa? Well, that was a good movie. It, some, it was actually called something like that. I had yeah. to look it up. <clears throat> it was pretty funny. Yeah, that is without a doubt the distraction of the week. You know, John, it's been pretty quiet because, of course, it's dying down, but uh, perhaps we should do a... Of course, uh, this whole thing turns out to be um, an even bigger joke than we thought it was going to be. Uh, and I've received, you know, I receive a lot of interesting email from people who claim uh, to be uh, on the inside, as it were, with government and certain agencies. And uh, what I'm understanding is that the whole swine flu thing was a red herring, uh, and really the entire intent was to just to, to program the population to take drugs when the government tells you to and that the next step without a doubt is going to be the male contraceptive either vaccination or pill and of course that's all part of the uh, uh, world depopulation program but uh, when it comes to swine flu there's still a number of things that are out there as uh, as the fun doesn't stop the Detroit Health Department is fighting swine flu with pepperoni yes when kids return to school after the holiday break each class has the opportunity to get a free pizza party if they sign up for the shots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, what a great idea. Give the kids some pizza. It literally, there's a picture here. Get a shot, get a pizza party for your class. Pizza party for signing up. <laughs> yeah, let me send you this link. That's phenomenal. I mean, how, how horrible can you be? When you get into that kind of stuff. But even worse, perhaps, in Pennsylvania, one of our producers sent uh, sent this link. This is just creepy. It's like a fake Britney. These are, these are playing in theaters, in the cinema. Yeah, no, I heard about these. I haven't seen one. There's, there, I know there's a lot of them linked on the net. Yeah, so I'll, I'll put these in the show notes, and I'll play just a little bit of one of the songs. It starts off with a kid sneezing in front of his locker at school. And this is like fake Britney Spears chick who starts singing. They're dancing in the hallway. And then they have the, without a doubt, the token African-American kid who raps in the song. I mean, it's so, it's creepy.
stay at home and stay. For five days, five days. You're not gonna get sick from me. No, you're not gonna get sick from me. You're not gonna get sick from me. Five days. I'm not gonna get sick from you. No, I'm not gonna get This is the creepiest thing I've ever seen, John. Who, who's right. behind this crap? I don't know. It's one in one thing ain't Here. playing. Do a few things like to show you were saying. Put the African American kid in to get the hip hop vibe on the hip hop tip. It's the same people who did that Obama video. Remember the kids in the classroom? That was done by a Hollywood producer. Yeah, this is done by Hollywood people. This this is too professional. Well, these guys are ridiculous, and they should be. They should think about their. Or they they should retire. And then there's uh, watch for this one. You'll see this one. Uh, this guy has been around before, but they're going to bring him back. Uh, this will help with the HPV virus. Take a look at this picture, John. Uh, this is a picture of Tree Man. I don't know if you remember Tree Man. Yeah, vaguely. Okay, Didi Kaswara, Indonesian man known to the world as Tree Man, is once again battling woody growths that are threatening to cover his body. And what yeah. is this woody growth? Well, of course, it's an extreme case of the sexually transmitted oh. disease, human papillomavirus, HPV. That's right. If only he had gotten the shot, he wouldn't turn into a tree. And then the whole story, HPV is one of the you know, most... The problem with, I'll tell you, the problem with this is a propagandistic uh, point uh, is that it's too gruesome. Nobody, nobody even wants to see pictures of this guy. You mean, it's, you mean they've, they've jumped the shark with this one? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. They, it's, it's not going to work. Yeah. But it's, it's a valiant try. <laughs> Good going, guys. I appreciate the try. Well, if you look at I, if, if, where we're at in the swine flu minute, go to last week's cli- or the last show's clips and find the one about the mask. Because there's a, there's two memes that are floating around out there that I just spotted in the last. You know, I, this one's not new, but then then I have another one I want to mention. But this one's got the meme in it. Uh, it's the one about the the, the swine flu masks. Chief Jack O'Connell announced that two federal grants are paying for 23 million masks and gloves for California schools. Pleasanton Unified just received its shipment this week. School officials say they will use them on a case-by-case basis. It's another level of protection for everybody, and it certainly raises people's comfort levels. I guess that's good. I mean, you know, because they could spread it to other kids. So, yeah, I mean, I'm glad they're doing something. Schools encourage kids to wash their hands frequently and use sanitizers. And healthcare workers hope parents are proactive in getting their children vaccinated. Even though the Centers for Disease Control says fewer states are reporting widespread H1N1 cases, physicians say it's likely there could be a spike in January. They want to remind parents that if a child has received the H1N1 vaccine and is under 10 years old, the child needs to get a second booster shot 21 days later. A booster. A booster shot. The meme is that there's going to be a second wave in January. Yeah, second wave. It's going to return the second wave. Ooh, the second wave. Uh, so I get that. I hear a lot of that. But the other one, by the way, which has to do with healthcare, not the swine flu, that you keep running into, and your friend, that that New York uh, congressman who I saw on one uh, of the shows, Anthony Weiner. 
Greener. He yeah. actually said it, and when he said it, because I'd heard it two or three times, but I didn't think much about it. As soon as he said it, I said, oh, it's a meme that the Democrats are using to push the bill through. And by the way, some of the progressives, the most extreme left-wingers, believe that Lieberman, by coming in and getting all the attention, he had actually, he's actually doing Obama's job because they really want this to be just a pro-insurance company bill, which is what it is, because you have to, now they just force people to take out insurance but the but the uh the wiener comment and like i said i've heard it before you're going to start hearing it it's don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good oh wow don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good i've heard it three times so far so so in in other words hey we're doing it's not perfect it's not great but at least it's it's good is that is that what that is that what's going on yeah yeah exactly jeez well, there's a couple things we haven't touched on, uh, John, which I do deem important. I'm very confused about what happened in Yemen. Have you been following this? I haven't been following it because there's not much to... I mean, I haven't found any any source to follow. Well, so I have two reports, one from uh, ABC News and another one from Reuters. So let me read you the Reuters one first. So Reuters, you would say, is a reputable wire service. Yemen security forces backed by warplanes killed up to 30 Al-Qaeda militants on Thursday, the government announced, and a security source said the operations had foiled a planned series of suicide bombings. According to the government website, Yemeni forces Yemeni forces hit a number of Al-Qaeda targets, including a training center in the southern province's Abiyan. This led to the killing of 24 to 30 militants. What kind of number is that? 24, could have been 30, including foreigners without giving their nationality. Security source told Reuters that altogether 34 al-Qaeda militants have been killed, 17 arrested in the Abyan and Arhab district, north of the capital of Sana'a. But then on ABC News, on orders from President Barack Obama, the U.S. military launched cruise missiles early Thursday against two suspected al-Qaeda sites in Yemen. So, well, well, who did it? Who, who's what are we doing shooting cruise missiles in Yemen? Is is do we have do we, have we declared war on Yemen? No, but you know there's a couple of things going on with Yemen. One is of course it's a traditional uh, location for uh, Bin Laden, who most people think is dead now. By the way, uh, that's where he he goes, especially south of Yemen. But one of the things that nobody wants to talk about, and the fact that we're in maybe the potential that we're in Yemen in the first place, and you, you can look this up on Google, is that Yemen, uh, in the 80s, they discovered oil there, and now oh. they seem to have found even more, and they found the natural natural gas field. You don't think that has anything to do with it? Don't look over here! Nothing to see here! Ooh, look at that! Nah, couldn't be. That couldn't be. Couldn't coincidence! Have, no! It couldn't be any type of coincidence. Coincidence? I think not! And by the way, play my coincidence clip. I'm thinking that people are listening to this show. Listen to this. It's Fridays. Four of Boston's five losses this season have come on Fridays. Coincidence? I'd like to think not. I think not. All four losses also at home, by yeah, the way. Yeah. The Celtics vaunted defense has allowed... <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> I was watching ESPN, and they go, coincidence, I think not. I said, I got I to gotta clip that. You know, this show really is reaching people in the unknown, isn't it?
<laughs> well, I think a lot of it is is it's uh, subtext. I think our I think our message gets out. We have a, the listeners who listen to the show are obviously enthusiastic and 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 they're you know. On, on the same wavelength we're on and they slip this stuff out and it's just kind of like a, you know, dropping a rock in a pond, you get these, you know, kind of wavelets that go out and then it kind of bounces back. And that was an example of it bouncing back. And I'm sure that they've never listened to the show ever. Here's the campaign that we really need though. I mean, there's all these shows, even C-SPAN, that morning show where you can call up on the democratic, the Republican or the independent line. That's probably the easiest one. Cause they've got like interns as screeners, but any show, particularly some of these Fox guys who have radio shows, call these shows up, and when you get on the air, you know, you've got to sound intelligent, which you can, because, you know, you obviously understand what's going on because you listen to No Agenda. But then uh, slip in, uh, in the morning, just slip that in, noagendashow.com. You know, I, I would rather have them slip in the noagendashow.com rather than in the morning. But, yeah, people should call their local talk shows and they should mention No Agenda and give us some publicity. And noagendashow.com is easy enough to say and get out before yeah. they stop you. And so you can then you have to slip it in casually. Say, well, I was listening to noagendashow.com the yeah. other day. Yeah, in the morning. In the morning. <laughs> right. You try to get the in the morning thing in there. Extra points. Extra points if you slip in in the morning. And if you could even get in a coincidence, I think not. Well, then you're executive producer. I mean, then, then you then <laughs> totally nailed it. Yeah. Rachel Maddow was uh, snapped talking to Fox News Chief Roger Ailes Tuesday night at the White House Christmas party. Well, Gee, it's all nice that they were all there. And no, oh, it's nice that it's Ailes, nice and- the great enemy that, that Obama says, do not watch Fox. And meanwhile, Ailes is invited to the party? Of course. So they were spotted together. There's a picture a of the two scam. of them. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, uh, Huffington Post said, hey, what did you guys talk about? And she said, well, I've never been to a White House party before, so I'm wet that I was invited. But I'm not sure about protocol, so I'm guessing it would be a breach of protocol to kiss and tell. I mean, you're a journalist. You're a journalist. You're supposed to cover the White House. Either don't go or talk about it. This is just nuts. And then to be talking to Roger Ailes, who is the the he is the the the, the man behind Fox News. Who well, you're right. You know, the Obama, that's so funny. I hadn't even, hadn't even thought about that. The, but the entire, even Obama said, oh, you know, Fox News, not really news. No, this is bullshit. You know, we should deem them not news. We should, you know, they should be fall under different rules because they're not really bringing news. And, oh, hey, hey, Roger, come on over to the Christmas party. Yeah, come on over. Come on over, hang out. Yeah, and now that you mentioned, uh, yeah, Rachel should either be covering it or she should be talking about it. She shouldn't be. What kind of journalist goes in? This is like the non-disclosures that I'm always complaining about. Essentially, she, she didn't even sign one, but she's acting like she did. And maybe she did. You maybe. know, I never thought about it, but it's possible that they make you sign a non-disclosure before you go into parties like this. Why not? They, they could be. You know what? But somebody could tell us. Yeah, <laughs> somebody should. Um. As a part of, uh, I think Eric actually pointed this out to me, a couple of changes that I just want you to be aware of that uh, I believe these these might have been slipped into the, oops, did that site just break? Oh, that's too bad. Uh, I believe some of these might have been slipped into the defense spending bill, but apparently, yeah, it looks like this, uh, crap. Okay, I know what the, the subtext is. Um, federal websites will now uh, be using cookies. To track you, that has been approved. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, combine that with Google's recent announcement that uh, even if you're logged out, they'll be tracking you for 180 days with a cookie. Coincidence? I think not. So I think people, we did get a a response from one of our listeners, producers, uh, that has a cookie killer that's aimed at these particular kinds of cookies. I I would hope he's listening now and and gets a hold of me again because his his mail is, is buried in the box somewhere. Okay, so we'd uh, we it's uh, I think that's kind of the problem is because cookies obviously can be very handy, um, you know, for a number of things. Yeah, they're very handy, but they shouldn't be used for tracking you like a dog. Particularly not from the federal websites. I mean, what, can't I just view that information in some version of anonymity? I mean, they got my IP address anyway. But yeah, that would be nice. Now we're going to have to track you with cookies. So uh, I think, John, that uh, we should uh, have the Nobel laureate play us out for uh, the Sunday service because there's nothing as beautiful as hearing the man saying it in his own voice, his own words, here on No Agenda. One thin September soon, a floating continent disappears in midnight sun. Vapors rise as fever settles on an acid sea. Neptune's bones dissolve. Snow glides from the mountain. Ice fathers floods for a season. A hard rain comes quickly. Then dirt is parched. Kindling is placed in the forest for the lightning celebration. Unknown creatures take their leave unmourned. Horsemen ready their stirrups. Passion seeks heroes and friends. The bell of the city on the hill is rung. The shepherd cries. The hour of choosing has arrived. Here are your tools. I, I, I think I have to say that uh, the horsemen ready their stirrups. It's just bone chilling, John. Uh, what, what, what he says this the, the moment of something has arrived. It sounds like it's all over. The, the ocean's a, a pile of acid and everyone's dead. <laughs> yeah. What, this what is decision the, is this? To shoot yourself? I mean, I'm not getting it. I think we need to dissect the death poem that Al Gore is reading and uh, do an analysis. And maybe we should have a, do a coffee house reading. I think we should. Where a couple of people get together. That's uh, it's not a bad idea. I think one, you know, it should be like the uh, the vagina monologue, where one person <laughs> reads one line and one person reads another line. And the vagina person... monologues. <laughs> the Al Gore monologues. Nice. Oh, this is beautiful. Hey, uh, just so you all know, we will be doing a show uh, as regularly scheduled on Thursday, uh, the night before Christmas. Boy, wouldn't it be nice to have a night on the night before Christmas, John? Ooh, the night, night before the Christmas. The night, night before Christmas. I think we could both support that, couldn't we? Yeah, that'd be good. Noagendashow.com, uh, Dvorak.org slash blog. Uh, the show notes, of course, working perfectly now at uh, noagendashow.com. Uh, and if you always want to find a backup, you can find it at curry.com or uh, Dvorak.org slash blog. And uh, so then what is our show after that? It'll be on Sunday. Is that a? Uh, is that a? Are we then close to the new year? What is Sunday? well? I'd have to look at the calendar, but I think it's a few days away from New Year's. I mean, it would be the next Thursday that we'd have the New Year's show. Let's see. Right. Oh, you're right. It would be the uh, yeah, the thirty first. So right. we're we're hitting it. And guess what? We're here. We'll continue to do the show. We're not going to break for any fake holidays. The only as long as Adam's recording the show, we're we're here. <laughs> Hold on. Let me check. Yes, we're good. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> 
<laughs> Coming to you from the minimum security containment cell, which houses the Crackpot Command Center, where it has been ominously quiet outside. I don't know where they are in the de demolition of this project. Maybe they stopped. Maybe they ran out of money. I think they're probably just taking two weeks off. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where the sun has now arrived, which should warm things up, which is a good thing, I'm John C. Dvorak. We will talk to you again on the night before Christmas. And we're looking for that night-night before Christmas, right here on No Agenda.